is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Jamal Lee Harris, and we cover a little bit of everything from resilience to keep going to quality questions, embracing I don't know, and of course, Disney. So I hope you enjoy part one with Jamal Lee Harris. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Jamal Lee Harris. Jamal, thank you for joining me today. Clayton, thank you so much for having me. I, I we have we have a lot to talk about. I I come to you by way of Disney in multiple fashions, uh, the Lion King, and of course we're working together uh, in the cruise line division, if you will, which is exciting. Uh, I want to talk about all the you know the the performing and all of that, but before we get to it, can we take it back to the beginning of time for you? What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Uh, entertainment dreams. I think, I mean, I guess at, at my youngest age, my entertainment dream was to make people laugh. You know, I was kind of uh, a kid who um, really got enjoyment out of seeing people smile, seeing people laugh in response to what I was doing. So, and I think in the purest form, that was, that was my dream. And I always kind of gravitated towards the more, the more um, zany performer, um, the like the, the kind of over the top performers. I think over time that's changed, which is interesting. But in the beginning, I would say that was my my dream in its purest form. It's making people laugh. Was there a particular moment in time when you decided that you were going to do this for a living and have it kind of be your big part of your hmm. life? Um. I think there was a moment where a distinct moment where I realized it's just something I wanted to do for uh, as a part of my life. I'm, I'm not sure I made the decision to pursue it professionally until much later. Cause I, I didn't really think it was a real option. I think as a kid, I started performing at school and, and I was the kind of kid who, you know, with my sister um, who also has a beautiful voice. She's a great singer. She's definitely the singer of the family actually. Um, she and I would put on shows in the backyard or for, you know, for, for family and company when, when family would come over, get up and sing a song. Um, and it kind of became an outlet as I, as I got older and, you know, um, adolescent teenage years, it was, it was kind of a, a welcome distraction. Um, this, this idea I could live in like fantasy world. And cause you know, there was a lot going on at home that I, that I could use the distraction from. So I, I, I did it as, um, kind of a, an extracurricular activity, but it wasn't until late in high school that I even considered pursuing this as a, as a profession because there wasn't, um, I, I didn't know anyone who, who was doing that at the time. I, you know, I don't usually ask this, but I am curious, was there a particular album or show that kind of like got you going, really got you an, excited as a kid? An album or a show? You know, Okay, this We're is film. <laughs> yeah. I as a kid, I was obsessed with Bette Midler. Bette Midler was was like a such a uh, a light. She was I found her so fascinating. She was funny, and as a kid, I came across the tape of of a live performance she she did called "Mud Will Be Flung Tonight," and it's still you know it's it's you know you can find it on different streaming platforms. Um, and it's a live stage show where she she sings songs and she tells stories. It's just her in front of a microphone, 
and um, she does her famous character, Soph, you know, I'll never forget it, you know, you know, that whole, and she goes into these body kind of like very like Mae West style jokes. And I was obsessed with that album. I know every word of that album to this day, I can still put on and recite the entire thing. And, you know, I, you know, I've been got obsessed with other things that she did. And, and um, that was kind of the entry level into like, Oh, like, look how hearing the response that she would get, what she would inspire in people was, was kind of amazing. And um, so then, uh, you know, I, of course, as a little gay boy, I loved beaches, you know, <laughs> and like seeing that, I mean, it was, it's a sappy, sad movie. It's a great movie, but it's, it's a sad right. film, but there's also a lot of performance sections in that movie that, um, you know, like Otto Titzling and like seeing her, living living this life of a performer but also someone who had this these um really interesting and, and dynamic personal relationships um so i'd say like bet miller was a big was a big a big thing and i distinctly you talk about a moment um it wasn't a moment that i that i um decided to pursue this as a living but i remember my it was a second or third grade um assembly a school assembly so what seven or eight and the assembly was about dinosaurs. And um, we had learned these songs and I was given a solo because I was in the school chorus with my sister and I was given a solo um, uh, to sing. And I, you know, I kind of just sang the song as normal. But the day of the assembly, they actually gave me a costume and it was a, it was a stegosaurus costume. So it was a green, it was like a, a felty, full body green felt costume with the stegosaurus plates on the on the back and I got in this costume I was like oh my gosh this is like so cool and I went up and my my solo came and when I sang the song you know it's like my name is stegosaurus I'm a funny looking dinosaur for on my back are mini bony plates and on my tail there's more and there was a time and something inspired me at the time seeing the way they looked at me in this costume I turned and I shook my stegosaurus tail to the to the audience and i saw my teachers and the other students like laugh and they were laughing because of something i just made up in the moment i was like oh my god this is amazing if there was like you know people talk about the the bug you know when the bug by you i don't know if it was that because like i said it wasn't a conscious like oh i'm gonna pursue this but i just i got that high off of hearing that response from the audience and i'm like mm-hmm and so, and Bette Midler kind of had that all the time. She seemed to be able to whip people into this like state with what she said or how she performed. Mm. Um, and it was always unconventional and kind of, um, it was her own point of view. Um, but it's that response that I, I just loved, you know. Mm. I hope that answered the question. It I don't did. Know if it, did. it did. Now, thank you for that. I'm curious what, <laughs> your, what, your, what your mother taught you about kindness growing up. Hmm. My mother, she, she was someone who taught a lot through example. She taught me about, um, well, so the number one thing she taught me was resilience. Um, I think she has a, she has a quiet confidence and resilience about her. Um, but my mother is tough. But she she was a single mother. She raised two kids uh, predominantly on her own. And while she is a very kind person, especially to those who who 
you know, we know and we're close to, I think there was an overall protective um, uh, quality that she exuded and a resilience that she really exuded. Um, and now as an adult, now that we are out in the world and, and I can relate to her on a different level, um, she te- still to this day teaches me about kindness and love. Um, but as a child, I what she taught me was um, resilience. No matter how many times you get knocked down or you get hurt or you are told no, that uh, you stand up and you keep going. Mm. And that is, has been something that has, you know, really served me throughout my life. And at the time, I didn't even realize how much I needed those lessons, but it had, they had that has come in handy, certainly. Mm. Do you have any mentors and are there any standout lessons that come to mind? Mm. I mean, it's talking about uh, my mother, you know, the first thing that came to mind was my mother was kind of my first mentor. Um, but in my performance life, I have, I have been blessed with so many teachers. And I think probably my first mentor would be um, a high school teacher. Well, two high school teachers, actually. Um, Rich Schreyer, who taught at, at Hamilton Academy of Music in, in Los Angeles, where I went to high school. Um, and uh, Barry Nedler, who also taught there. And they're still, their styles are really different. Um, they, they believed in me so much and they, they each required so much of me um, that I, I, I started to believe and require a lot of myself in return. So I think those are probably um, my first mentors. Now I have a lot of mentors in my mind, sure. <laughs> people who, people who I don't necessarily know personally, but whose life and example I follow and whose light I try to, to walk towards. Um, but, you know, I can't, you know, call them on the phone and ask them questions. So in, in the mentor, it's not a classic mentor relationship in that, in that way, but um those teachers, and then I had a, a, an amazing teacher in college, Mary Corsaro at um, Ithaca, uh, who um, taught me a lot about work ethic and preparedness and and promptness and you know um, and doing the work beforehand uh, that um, that I still, I still keep those, those lessons to this day. If we can dive a little deeper on the work ethic lessons, mm. um, was there, uh, is there, a, is there a particular story or themes within preparedness <laughs> showing up ready? <laughs> well, I remember in college, you know, cause I was never professionally trained until I went to school, until I went to college, it was all, you know, it was all me in doing shows and, you know, but it was never a class. But when I got to Ithaca, I had a teacher named Arno Selko, who um, was an acting teacher. We did scene study and he was famous for having these really thorough uh, analysis, character analysis um, uh, that you would have to do for his scene study. And, you know, this was big, you know, very beginning, uh, you know, early days in, in um, one's acting uh, career. So there were 
pages and pages and pages of questions to answer. And it was kind of, it was very daunting. It was like, oh God, and you're like, and what, what could be gained from doing something like this? But I, you know, and we're just doing from a scene, you know, we're, we're working on a scene in this class, you know, obviously these come from larger work. So you would have to read the whole play and, and, and maybe what about the author and their background, where they came from. Um, and all that goes into the analysis. But as, as a college student, you're kind of thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I want to sing and dance. Can I get a 16 bar, you know, yeah. but I like, <laughs> but I will say after having gone through that, and then going through the rest of the program as well and, and seeing it, the whole program as a whole, I remember years later contacting Arno and asking him to send me that analysis. I went back and said, I, I, I want to, I, I, I want to go back and, and do that work because there's something about the information and absorbing the information and having it there in your pocket. You might not use every single, every single bit of that, but um especially if you're doing a complex character or, or, you know, in a, in a, in a show that has a lot of layers, it, the, the preparation is almost as important as the work you do once you're there in the space, you know? And um, so there definitely was a, um, I had a, there was a, I came around, I eventually saw the usefulness in all of that and all that uh, pre- pre-rehearsal work what you're bringing into the studio um and that's why it's so difficult if you don't have if you're doing some, something where you don't have a script you don't have the kind of information that you're 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 you know coming into rehearsal with it's hard it's 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 you're almost you feel like you're on the your back foot if you don't have um you know stuff before before that and and it, it, so now i i have embraced um <laughs> that that thorough analysis, that Arno analysis. And those are, uh, I'm guessing, if correct me if I'm wrong, those are questions, right? You're asking yourself about the character. Where are you coming? Where are you going? How do you feel about so-and-so? You know, that kind of... Exactly. They're the big questions, you know, what is your obstacle? Yeah. You know, uh, what do you want? What is your obstacle? But they're also, um, it, it was little questions. It was kind of like, you know... Um, what what is this it's those like questions about the author maybe where was the author born where was the author from what what was their childhood like what was the author's relationship with their mother yeah. you know and then like maybe what is what is if, if if the parents you know um relationship is is relevant in the story especially you know it it might be um it's it's a made-up life of, of, a, of a part of the story that's not maybe not in the play yeah. but might give you a, a, a sideways or, or back ways entrance into what this person's life is. Because a lot of, sometimes, especially with those characters where it's not all laid out, it's going to be up to you to create that full life, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and like I said, a lot of this might not, let's be honest, most of it's not visible to the, someone who's watching it, Yeah. but there's something to be said for doing that work. And then, and, and knowing it's there, and it kind of gives you as a, as the actor um, more more security and confidence uh, as, as far as what you're doing, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, they are. It's a list of questions. It's like pages and pages of questions. Yeah, questions are so important. I uh, 
and I, I'm always curious, you know, how one improves the questions they ask. Cause I do believe if you, you know, change the questions, you can change your life, you know, what, mm. what you're asking for and where you're going. Um, how has your, how has your, you asking questions improved or evolved within your life? Hmm. Well, I think, I think embracing the idea that I don't know mm. is like where you, where it should start, you know, and that's okay not to know. And also in embracing the, the idea of not making assumptions. I think so often we, we assume things, therefore we don't need to ask the question. You know, we fill in a lot of the space with our own, with our own self rather than, um, um, leaving it open to being curious right. about what, what those, what the, what the truth is, you know, not, not assuming is such a powerful idea. As we get into, cause I want to ask about this, the, the dog training portion, you know, the information oh, yes, you can't yes. necessarily find out online. I'm very curious about this. Um, <laughs> how, and, and I think this will tie into communicating cause you know, communicating with the dog, but also communicating with other individuals. How has your communication improved? Mm. I mean, and you mean through, through the pursuit of acting yeah, yeah. and performing? Yeah. Well, I, first of all, from, from a very basic level as a child, I would, I, uh, and I still to this day uh, struggle with speech. I would kind of blur my words all the way through, especially when I was doing um, maybe a wordy bit of dialogue, I would kind of want to say the end of the sentence before I said the beginning. Um, and, uh, it's, it's been a journey and I still get that, that to this day. Um, but from a basic level, it's so important to, to speak clearly, to kind of breathe and, 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 you know, communicate clearly just with the words before you even decide what those words are going to be. Um, but, you know, the most important part of communication is listening. And that is what, that is a, you know, a, 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 a basic tenant of acting. And, you know, it, it, um, it might be cliche, but it is so important to listen. And I think um, that's kind of been, uh, I would say, basically, I would say the, the most important and most improved portion of my communication skills is my ability to listen. I remember um, in acting class doing Meisner, you know, Meisner, work and and you're doing a task but you're also having to repeat what your your partner is is saying and so you're staying busy here but you're you're also here and that is such a that duality is like it's really that is that is what performance is all about right because you're you're in a scene but you're also involved in this relationship with the audience so you're doing both of those things at the same time and um and it's that that balance that you're trying to strike. Um, I think that that's been a, a very uh, useful tool that um, the study of acting has has taught me and been able to use throughout my life. As we move towards the the dog training, how did that come up for mm-hmm. you? And what have you learned about you know like discipline and energy? 
and mm-hmm. you know, a continuation of communication, but yeah. Well, the dog training came about because uh, I needed a, a side gig. I needed a, a, a source of income not related to performing that I could do in between these jobs because, you know, inevitably and living in New York city, it's a very expensive place. And, you know, I, I might have downtime in between, um, in between different shows. So, um, a, I've always loved dogs. I've always loved animals in general. Um, I mean, I'm sitting here probably because I played a stegosaurus in second grade. So, but, (laughs) but, but, um, uh, so a, a close friend of mine started a dog walking service and um, it's called Broadway Bitches. It's still around to this day. And um, she and I started walking clients uptown in, in Washington Heights where I lived at the time and still live. And uh, it was a lot of uh, actors that were walking dogs and some clients, you know, in, in the pursuit of walking dogs, you're trying to think, well, how can I, you know, maximize this, this business and that is to walk obviously to walk more dogs so but there's a there's a um there's a dynamic of that where you have to be able to communicate with dogs if you're walking multiple dogs you have to be able to control them and you have to be able to uh to keep the peace so to speak as you're as you're going about these these walks dropping dogs off picking dogs up um and so there was a a, you know a, a level of of uh behavioral dog behavioral knowledge i needed in order to do that so started learning more about just basic behavioral training Mm. and uh and then clients would ask well i'm having this issue you know um how do i stop my dog from doing this or or wondering why when we walk their dogs with other dogs their dogs are fine but when they try to walk their dogs with other dogs they all hell breaks loose you know so um clients asking us to then do basic training you know um, with their dog but uh but then a good friend of mine uh brooke chardelli um who worked at northern stage at the time in vermont i had worked there and she had a um uh she knew uh bill berloni who was like Mm -hmm. the the broadway dog guy um he was not only did he train the original um sandy from annie but he was in the show and that was kind of how he got involved is he was a performer who wanted to be in the show. And, and they said, well, listen, kid, if you can train this dog to do X, Y, Z, then you can be in the show. And so he, he ended up doing that and, and has made a career. Like every dog on Broadway um, subsequently has basically been a Bill Berloni dog. And these are all his personal dogs that he rescues and he trains. And so, you know, legally blonde and obviously um, Annie and, uh, he's creating his own show um, now with the dog. Uh, uh, Brooke introduced me to Bill, and um, I started um, going up to Bill's farm in Connecticut and, and working with him on, you know, we obviously basic training was involved in that, but it was also theatrical training. So, you know, training dogs to do particular tasks um, in shows, to hit a mark and to, to speak in command or to... Um, you know, cross the stage and then stop here, which sounds basic, but it, you know, when you're involved on, when you're on stage with an audience and with lights and sets and, and an orchestra and band, I mean, that is, that is very difficult to consistently get a dog to do. Um, 
And so I started working with him and I realized um, that I learned a lot about myself in the pursuit of that. Because yes, talk about communication, um, dogs don't have the ability to to speak. They don't have the ability to comprehend complex language. You can train them to respond to a particular command. They're very um, ritualistic, very um, habitual creatures. So if you if you reinforce positively, um, you know this command. This word means this. They understand that, but. You know, most all of the communication really is is nonverbal, is is um, is your energy, and that is also true for an actor, for someone on stage. I mean, we get information from words and from songs and voices and all that, but also your physical presence on stage tells the audience a lot about you. Same with the dog. I mean, the way you walk into a room with the dog, the way you approach a dog, um, definitely the way you speak to a dog, all of that is telling the dog so much about, about, about you and, and your relationship. And then I was lucky enough to, um, though I'd always wanted a dog, I never had, um, I was never in the right place to have a dog. But in uh, 2013, uh, I always say that a dog found me because he really did. It, it, was, uh, it was kind of serendipitous the way it happened, but um, I was able to take um, what I was learning with Bill and actually apply it to a dog that I lived with. Mm -hmm. So not unlike what Bill does with his 20 odd, and I'm not exaggerating, but he has like 20 some odd dogs that he's all trained. They're all his personal dogs. I had a dog now in my life where I could apply those um, lessons to and, and to make trial and error with. And, uh, and so, you know, my relationship with Neo and and training him and which is my dog, I have a Wheaton Terrier and Neo. And um, uh, he's he has in our relationship taught me so much about myself and um, so yeah it was it was a happy accident the dog thing uh, and um, it has influenced my entire life but also my performance life for sure one hundred percent. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.